This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Flo Kilpatrick has just joined me in the studio for our fortnightly conversation about what we've seen on stages. A critic and a playwright get together and uh, shoot the messenger uh, is the name <laughs> of the segment, or we shoot the breeze, or we just converse and chat about what we've seen, what we liked, what I we didn't like. We enthuse. We I do think enthuse that's what quite we a do. lot. Yeah. How are you? Just nice. I'm really good. How are you? I'm good. I'm seen good. Seen some fantastic stuff this week, which is. Oh, just always such a... I've also had a lot of rose petals dropped on me, which I guess this is just my life now. When, like, when multiple people choose to do rose petal showers in one fortnight, you're just like, okay, is this, I just live in, like, Valentine's Day on Crackland. Is this, like, just casually walking down the street or is this actually <laughs> at the theatre as part of a performance? Well, two of the shows I saw both involved a whole lot of rose petals, which was... Really exciting to see them both in the same week, actually. I think they speak to each other so well. So I might start with I Want to Know What Love Is, which is by The Good Room. Oh, the um, Brisbane the Collective. Yeah. Yes. So they're, they're a bunch of guys up from Brisbane. They've been, they've been performing this at Chapel Street. It actually finishes um, on July 15th, so you do still have some time um, to get along to this one. So this work was made from 800 anonymous Uh, surveys, people writing in to describe love and losing love and what love meant to them. And I think there is this expectation that verbatim theatre is kind of this heavy, talky theatre of people talking at each other in really, like, reasonably dull ways because they're talking how natural, how real people talk and therefore real people aren't as exciting as we like to make them in fiction. Um, But this work was so the opposite of that expectation. It was incredibly physical, for one thing, which I think we just don't think of when we think of verbatim work. Um, The actors were working their butts off, um, but it was also visually spectacular. There was rose petals everywhere, just just bags of them being dropped at any moment onto people and and bags bags of rose petals being torn apart and flung across the room. So there was just constant colour and movement and amazing banners unfolding everywhere. Um, I think that what this show really is about is like what we put ourselves through for love and and at times it is so dark that you have moments in the show of, is this worth it? It is kind of... You know, the, st- the the cliche is to say it's, oh, it was a real ro- roller coaster. It wasn't a roller coaster. It was a relationship condensed into one hour. So we started in the midst of absolute ecstasy and sexiness and then things got real dark for a while there. Um, but it was a really joyous experience. I, I, I say, like, it really did feel like, yeah, Valentine's Day on crack at times. It was just like, it was so over the top. And, and they really used these cliches, the love songs, the rose petals to such good use. I feel like the audience really wanna, went on a, went with them on this as well. You saw, you heard all the laugh, the, you saw the hands over the mouth. It was a real journey. Fantastic. I haven't seen I Want to Know What Love Is Yet. I'm going to try and squeeze it in on the weekend. I've very deliberately been having this week, uh, trying to have this week off. There's been some emotionally and, and physically challenging stuff going on in my life. So, um, mm. but... I'm really keen to see this work uh, from The Good Room. It's because it's the second in a trilogy of works they made. The first, I Should Have Drunk More Champagne, it was about regret. Mm-hmm. And the the third work in the trilogy, which I saw last year at the Brisbane Festival, which was exquisitely made and 
bold and challenging and so finely crafted. It was uh, was about um, forgiveness. Mm. Uh, and so regret, love, forgiveness yeah. as a trilogy of works. Um, so really looking forward to seeing I Want to Know What Love Is. And also partially one of the reasons I want to see it, as well as having already seen I Just Came to see, Say Goodbye, um, we don't get to see that much independent work from Brisbane no. in Melbourne. Yes, we have Elbow Room as a company who founded by a, cap, a, a couple of expat Brisbane artists who've moved who moved to Melbourne and mm. created the company. But the independent scene in Brisbane, there's some really strong work being made. Yes. It doesn't get to come to Melbourne and very some often. some very physical work being made, Brisbane being the home of Zenzenzo. I, 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 the work that I see from Brisbane artists does sort of have this feeling of that that has permeated the culture, this physicality of performance. I also... Another thing I loved about this, which also ties into the other the other showers of rose petal shows, is just diversity in casting in terms of age and and just particularly being a story about love. That it wasn't performed by a bunch of twenty year olds was really satisfying to see that that sexiness and love and regret and being embarrassed by your actions is something that doesn't actually stop when you hit, say, 27, um, was a really satisfying thing to see, which also leads me into The Bachelor. Oh, sorry, oh, just sorry. before you speak about The Bachelor. Oh, I had so, such a good segue, Richard. Oh, I'm sorry, but I just <laughs> want to make sure that people know that um, uh, The Thank Good you. Rooms, I Want to Know What Love Is, is on now until this weekend, so until the 15th of July, um, at the at Chapel of Chapel in Paran as part of the Provocation. RA Festival. So if you want a book to see The Good Rooms, I Want to Know What Love Is, jump online, chapeloffchapel.com.au. It sounds like a a wonderful piece of work. I had such a great time. I I feel like my face was just so, like, which is a weird thing to say, but my face was so engaged. I went through so many emotions and just they were giving me so much and I feel like the audience was giving them so much as well. Okay, so that's I Want to Know What Love Is and I'm sorry I ruined your segue. That's so fine. Let's just make this really organic. Like, oh, device diversity and casting. You can experience feelings at all age and moments of your life. The Bachelor. Um, so The Bachelor, uh, episode, uh, s- sorry, season 17, episode 5, is literally um, uh, a staged version of... <laughs> of that episode of the American season of The Bachelor. Uh, it's made by Katrina Cornwell and Morgan Rose, which is where I put in my disclaimer that I am friends with uh, with both of these people. Being in Melbourne Independent Theatre, I mean, it, honestly, it's hard to find people, that shows that I don't know people in, um, as I'm sure Richard has that experience as well. Um, but this work, uh, again, so they have taken a script pre-written they have edited it down it's the the american bachelor is two hours long episodes so they've condensed this down um it really speaks i think to this thing that like that what art can do is make us re 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 realize things that we've grown habitualized to i don't know that i've ever seen an episode of the bachelor but so much of it is actually deeply engraved at the ingrained in us at this point, every time the music swells, every time a rose is presented, every time the bachelor says, can I steal you for a second? Like every time someone turns to the camera and says, like, I'm here to win, <laughs> you know, we know that. And this theatre production gets us to realise how deeply weird this is, how deeply weird it is to have 
contestants in love, to have this guy get to trial run 10 relationships at once, well, it starts with 25, to have him stand there and say, I just don't know if my wife's in this room or not. Like, this, he is trying, he seems very genuinely to be trying, but it is the least genuine place to hunt for these things one could possibly have. I love the fact that Morgan has taken a real life episode of TV mm. and turned it into theatre. It's, yes. it's a, a, a strange and wonderful conceit. It really is. And just also, so the so the connection to I want to know what love is, apart from the excessive amounts of rose petals. And was, love. Yes, and love, is is that they have cast this episode as you would not see The Bachelor cast. I believe their oldest contestant is in her 70s. Uh, there's just... There is a variety of people on this stage that you just don't see allowed to hunt for love. There's been some really interesting commentary lately on this idea that, you know, uh, people of colour will let you cook our food, we'll watch you on cooking shows, but don't you dare sort of... But we won't love you, but we won't <laughs> put you in the running for, uh, for, for love. Um, and so that was... Was really great to see this uh, this cast of people that uh, so pointedly didn't look like what we were used to seeing people contesting for love, and particularly on uh, on Australian TV, where yes, uh, kind of whitewashing is still very much mm. a thing. So that's um, the Bachelor season seventeen episode five, which is uh, the final performance of which is on uh, uh, tonight, tonight at the Brunswick Mechanics yeah. Institute in Sydney Road. I'm told it's booked out, but it's the kind of thing that Waiting if you're in the area. Turn up, uh, a lot of people will sometimes, mm. for whatever reason, will forget they've booked tickets or just not be able to find a babysitter and can't go. Yeah. So there will be probably be a standby list. It's worth trying. Yeah, the one other thing I want to mention in this is just how much time they spend with women just waiting. This sense of that when The Bachelor goes off with someone to kiss yet another person... These women, they almost become non-people and they just have to sit there and wait until he reappears to reanimate them in a way. And it just really sits in this, which um, I think also, <laughs> I'm doing my segues today, but I think also ties to the other show that that was on with, um, which is last night was its uh, final night, but I, I want to give a mention to Survival um, by Ali Richards, directed by Marissa Bennett. I think it's a really brave work for quite a young playwright as well in how much time it spends sitting in the waiting we are in a hospital room someone may or may not die and actually there's almost a boredom to sitting in those spaces at times like Ali just lets us sit in like we once we've moved past the moment of drama there is almost a deadening mundanity to sitting and waiting to find out an outcome that powerlessness and they go, they like rehash almost in the entirety of the plot of the of uh, uh Dawson's Creek or the OC or I, I'm not sure I can't remember um and they and they at one point read you know an entire backlog of someone's Facebook like posts that you know just sitting in that Likewise, there's the sound design is incredibly minimal, so I think it's a really restrained and brave piece of work for that, just sitting in that. I wish I'd managed to see Survival, which uh, both of these productions presented by La Mama. Uh, quick disclaimer, I am currently the acting chair of La Mama, so uh, conflict of interest. Uh, they're everywhere oh, in the independent oh. art sector. Um, swimming just, in them. Just before we talk about uh, Blackie, Blackie Brown mm. at the Malthouse, I wanted to briefly chat about Mish uh, Grigor's The Talk, mm. uh, on now at Northcote Town Hall, finishing this Saturday, the 14th of July. Um, 
full kind of uh, disclaimer, I was punched in the face on the tram, um, uh, punched in the face on the tram on the way to see this production. I wasn't in exactly the right kind of critical mindset to uh, absorb and and analyse and dissect the play, which is uh, about Misha's conversations with her family about her family's sex lives. Um, so it's funny and it's confronting and it's provocative uh, and I should probably try and see it again before it closes just without kind of um, adrenaline and shock and drama coursing yeah. through my bloodstream in equal measure. Uh, so, but it's on at Northcote Town Hall. Uh, Mish is part of a fantastic kind of uh, collective from Sydney Post who have got another work coming up at the Malthouse later this year which I will also be very much looking forward to seeing. But yeah, if you want more info about the talk by Mish Grigor, it's been getting some some good and interesting reviews. Check out the one that Alison Crogan wrote on witnessperformance.com for example or there's another one in The Age. But yeah, it's on till this Saturday the 14th and it's definitely an intriguing work but if you're shy and don't like audience participation um maybe sit towards the back of the room there is audience participation uh but you can also say no which is great no one is Mm. pressured into doing anything on stage they don't want to do so i wanted to acknowledge that but let's talk about just to wrap up um the play that we've both seen on at the malthouse at the moment blackie blackie brown the traditional owner of death Oh, it's such a great title. I feel like what this play is doing starts with that title. It is so fun. It is so irreverent. Um, and I've got to say, that does not necessarily equal apolitical. To be fun, to be irreverent, to be big and bold and aggressive as Indigenous theatre makers is a really political statement to enjoy this, to be colourful, to make a superhero out of, like, an anti-reconciliation superhero. Um, this from very early on it says the screen comes up saying this is not about forgiveness this is not about about uh um reconciliation this is about vengeance it's a an indigenous revenge comedy uh by nakia louis uh who people may know from her work on the abtc abtv series black comedy other event other uh, theatrical works as well, Black Showgirls. Um, And it's about a young uh, archaeologist who uh, is... You get the feeling she, there's a, a corporate entity of just going, yes. oh, legally we have to get an archaeologist to look at the site. But if you find anything important, just gloss it over. Yes. What uh, Dr Jacqueline Black uh, discovers uh, is the skull of her murdered ancestor, uh, an Aboriginal woman who was uh, whose uh, tribe were, were massacred. Uh, and uh, Dr. Black is possessed by the spirit of her ancestor who charges her um, to uh, to go and track down and kill the descendants of all the people who killed her and her people. It's it's a fantastic conceit because it makes the audience complicit in cheering on the, uh, the, the vengeful deaths of racists and horrible, horrible people. And then as the work progresses, um, our being complicit and being challenged is so beautifully kind of 
packaged and presented to us. It's this was a it's a fantastic piece of theatre. Yeah, it gets much more complicated the further it goes along. I do want to mention that moment of being possessed by the grand by the grandmother uh, or great 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 grandmother. Um, it is actually in the midst of this comedy. There is this moment where we sit in a description of maybe the most graphic description of indigenous of violence against indigenous people that I've heard on on stage, and I had this strange thought process during it. I thought, oh god. What must this be for this woman to to sit in this every night? And then I was like, oh no, they're making us sit in it. Like she's carrying this around all the time. She, they have just decided, no, we're not going to let you guys off the hook. We're going to sit in this, and before we go back to the fun, you're just going to hear just why we have a right to be this angry. Delira Williams, the performer, uh, the uh, the female lead, is superb in this role, and the that and the. Declan Green's direction uh, and Nakia Louis' writing, the way it shifts from comedy into absolute tragedy and then back again. It's done so seamlessly. Mm. Uh, I just want to give a shout-out to the the, the woman, uh, a complete stranger, sitting next to me who heard me kind of like crying during that sequence and just gently patted me on the shoulder as a, as a <laughs> kind of gesture of, of sympathy uh, in the theatre, that shared collective moment in the theatre. It's um, It was lovely. Yeah. Um, the we- We've also got to mention the animation because yes. this is done completely. They are on a on a white stage, and then animation creates the entire world. The animation is done by um, the collective Oh Yeah Wow, but specifically the animator was Michael Greeny, who I happen to know. Again, conflict of interest, I guess, but I know that he worked like seventeen hours a day for six months. I believe he took two days off in that time, one for like a birthday, one for an anniversary or something like that, just worked away. But it, oh my gosh, it pays off. The animation at times feels incredibly 3D. Suddenly doors appear or or rooms appear, Uh, blood spatters across the space. It is... It's very kind of Scott Pilgrim versus the world-esque. Yeah, at that's times. a nice analogy, very nice analogy. Um, the uh, Elizabeth Gadsby's design of the stage, mm. which is just a, a, a kind of white rake and a white mm. wall, but modular style, really simple, but allows works so mm. beautifully with the animation so that when things open and, mm. and it's just... This is one of the, the most exciting pieces of theatre I have seen this year, yeah. I have to say. Blackie, Blackie Brown at the Malthouse. Ash Flanders is great as every single supporting character, <laughs> male or female. Delara yeah. Williams, as we've said, is fantastic. Delara Williams as well came into this role for the Melbourne season, um, having four days to learn it. And when you see how incredibly technical this work is, that you have to punch at this exact moment for this bit of animation to come through the air. Remarkable. She had stepped into the Sydney production previously, so it's not like right. she's completely un, yes. kind of uh, inexperienced. But mm. yes, the uh, so she's uh, taken over the uh, original uh, performance from Sydney after injury mm. and with, as you say, with four days' notice. Yes. So within four, and she came off book so quickly that kind of mm. yeah. Um, so this is choreographed and and kind of this is a great great piece of theatre. I don't want to keep raving about it, but <laughs> uh, Blackie Blackie Brown, the traditional owner of Death. Uh, on until the 29th of July. Also just one of the best posters I've seen in a long time. The, the shoe yeah, with a, shoe a stiletto with a, heel. With which a is dagger. <laughs> actually a stiletto, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and blood-soaked. So, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Um, so, yeah, so uh, jump online, malthousetheatre.com.au to check out that one. It's so, so good. Now, um, Fleur, just quickly, anything coming up you've got your eye on? 
Oh my gosh, you put me on the spot. Um, I, I mean, I'm so excited to try and get to Mish Gregor's uh, work, of course, that you've already spoken about and the people that you were speaking to uh, just previously as well. Emily Collier's got a play coming up, Contest, which looks amazing and is full of incredible performers. I also want to give out a sh- give a shout out to Emily Collier for writing an incredible piece, I believe, in The Overland that has just got, uh, been shared in the last 24 hours about... Uh, arts funding and particularly for mid-career artists so um, it's really worth finding and experiencing yummy uh, are a troupe who give drag a feminist twist and do it fabulously well. They've got a show called Winter Suite uh, on at the Toff in town it, joining us in the studio to tell us more <laughs> Excuse me. Ah, James Welfie, hello. I don't normally welcome people with a sneeze, but uh, I'm just clearly overcome. You know what? I'll take it. Okay. So, as I said, kind of yummy are a troupe who kind of a drag, burlesque, circus, cabaret wrapped up into a, a fabulous, glittering collective. Um, and the thing that really struck me when I saw the work of Yummy for the first time was that yeah, it's taking drag, which is an art form that is sometimes can be quite misogynistic. I've seen some very misogynistic drag in my time, but pairing it with um, uh, uh, with female artists and drag artists who are clearly committed and passionate uh, about feminism and equality. Uh, and so, where did the whole yummy? story begin? We started three years ago and we're, we're actually approaching, next month is our three year anniversary and funnily enough our very first show ever was at the Toff so it's kind of a bit of a, a return to form for us in a way this season that we're doing uh, and I, I started Yummy in 2015 um, when just after those cuts to the Australia Council when uh, they were really major and for a choreographer like me, that, that really would and did affect someone kind of in my position. And I, I was sort of frustrated with the, the kind of grant scheme and constantly putting my work in the hands of other people. And I thought, no, I, I want to change gear here. I want to shift. I want to make work that has a different connection with the audience. So I really, I dove headfirst into cabaret. Uh, I had already been working with Maura Finucane and Glory Box for a couple of years, so I sort of had a bit of a, a foot in the door. But um, my interest and passion in drag really, like, exploded and went uh, to the next level. And, you know, I'm I'm deeply committed to drag. Uh, and Yummy kind of... I, I, I wanted to do a show that had as many... A, a drag show that was a drag show, but had as many women in it as men... Um, and ultimately had a kind of genderqueer uh, aspect to the whole thing anyway. So that's, that's kind of our take on drag. We're, we're, we have a very inclusive gender uh, balance in the cast. And it, you know, it, wasn't, it was never really a strategic thing. It just seemed like the right thing to do. Now, you've said you have, you're, that you're deeply committed to drag. What is it about drag as, as a performance mode, as an art form, that, that kind of appeals to you so strongly? Well, drag is uh, for me. I I feel like it gives it lifts this weight off my shoulders. Drag is something that I see as limitless. I don't see it as um as a gender performance. Really, I just see it as an opportunity uh, for personal reinvention um, to 
kind of transform into an, your ultimate form, maybe. Um, and alter egos exist for a reason. And I feel like uh, drag is how I can access uh, that alter ego within myself. Uh, Valerie Hex is my drag uh, persona. And uh, Valerie Hex, Valerie kind of like, uh, I don't know, something very um, exquisite and French and fashiony, and then Hex, like something that's quite twisted and uh, bizarre. Oscar Wilde once said, man is least himself when he talks in his own person, give him a mask and he will tell you the truth. Does Valerie Hex <laughs> allow you to, tell, to be more true in a way that performing as James or choreographing as James does not? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, you know, masks can um, reveal as much as they can conceal. And uh, I think, you know, people have complex um, gender identities. And I, it's in my opinion, I think everybody has a mix of, of masculine and feminine energy within them at all times. And that, that shift can, uh, that balance can shift. And for someone like me, who's a, a queer artist and kind of makes work primarily for by and about the queer experience um drag is it really is like the ultimate way uh to open the door invite the audience in to make work that's incredibly visual and in my case incredibly physical and uh to me drag is limitless so it's about freedom now, that notion of the visual is something that I wanted to, to pick up on because, again, the having seen uh, uh, an early iteration, a rel fairly early iteration of Yummy, I was blown away by the costumes, uh, kind of... They were garish. They were gorgeous. Uh, from memory, some of them were illuminated. Uh, so yeah. uh, talk to us about the visual aesthetic, the, the visual look of Yummy. I mean, you're the, the creator and director of the troupe, so mm -hmm. how much of that comes from you personally and how much of that comes from the artists you collaborate with? Uh, well, it's a, it's a mix. We don't have a centralised designer um, and many of the artists uh, within the company themselves create their own costumes. And I think that's, that's kind of... Uh, it, it creates this, a culture within the group, actually. Like, being a part of Yummy is intense in a way because the standard is so high and the designs that we... Uh, the, the bar is set so high that we have to bring it and we have to bring it every time. So uh, art, artists like Benjamin Hancock, artists like Jandrews, um, they make most of their own costumes and they are so, so... Um, uh, diligent, they, their attention to detail, their scrutiny, their um, rigor is immaculate. And I think it really shows when you can see people who bring their own designs to the stage. Um, we have burlesque superstar Zelia Rose in the show and she designs her own looks. Uh, and often, you know, we collaborate with costume designers, but we work very, very closely with them. And I think within the group, there's an incredible sense of, um, of what we want uh, and this show, Winter Suite, I mean, it's, it's next level. The, my opening outfit when the show begins, I'm, I'm wearing a gown made out of 30 metres of pure silk. Um, and then the four other performers have these, like, incredible complementary costumes all made out of pure silk. And it's insane. The, my, I have a full pair of uh, sequin collots and this, uh, this organza cape that's all made out of, like... Uh, geometric panels. Um, the uh, I would I would be as bold as to say that 
it, it, we have the best costumes in Melbourne. Okay, well, that's a yeah. big claim, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look, I'll go there. I'll go there. I'll put it out there. Now, given that you've, as you mentioned, there's a, a, a diverse group of performers. So you've got you've got dancers, you've got kind of burlesque artists, you've got drag artists, yes. you've got um, and a uh, singer in in a singer and a circus artist as well. Oh yes, yeah, yes. So, um, as director, talk to me about the challenge of making a coherent show out of the diverse talents of all mm. of those people because one of the risks with any kind of cabaret production uh, and particularly a group show such as this one is that it can be a bit bitsy. It, it's yeah. kind of this scene, that act, this group, uh, and it doesn't always cohere or even if it coheres because of style and, and design, it doesn't always flow and become a seamless whole. So you're the director. How do you mm. make it all pull together so that it is one show rather than just an assemblage of acts? Well, I think the, the, the theme that unites us is the, the work that we're doing, which is pushing drag forward, making drag more inclusive, upping the level of costume, upping the level of concept, uh, upping the, the surprise factors. Um, so Yummy is our main show. So that's our, that's our kind of flagship show and that's touring around. We just toured to New Zealand. We're in Brisbane Festival. We're about to do Edinburgh for a month. Uh, earlier this year, it toured all over Perth and Adelaide. Uh, and then, so that, that show was kind of like the best of what we do. And then we made a spin-off show for um, Midsummer called Summer Treats, which is pure comedy and really funny. It has a storyline. Um, and this show, Winter Sweet, is like the sister show to Summer Treats. So it's, it's a spin-off, but it really, it's become something much bigger than that. And... Um, There's variety within it, sure, but uh, we wanted to sort of respond to uh, one of the oldest stories of all time, the stories of Adam and Eve and how Eve was basically entrapped by God uh, into, you know, uh, eating from the the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And it just is this story that always stood out in my mind as bizarre that, that a God wouldn't want someone to know the difference between good and evil. And, uh, you know, Adam blamed Eve and Eve blamed the snake. So it's not a very eco-feminist story. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we we wanted to reinterpret that and kind of imagine, well, what if the snake was actually trying to warn Eve? And what if Eve uh, survived on her own, banished from Eden, but thrived? What if she didn't need that? paradise from a patriarchal god what if she created her own paradise so all of us within the within winter suite there's a cast of six so uh we responded to to eve basically and we've interpreted uh, the story of eve in different ways but that is the through line and that's what kind of links it all together
Hannah Presley is the curator of the current exhibition at ACCA, the Australian Centre for Contemporary Art. The exhibition is called A Lightness of Spirit is the Measure of Happiness. Hannah, welcome to Triple R. Thank you so much for having me. Very great pleasure. Now, this uh, is a significant exhibition for uh, a number of reasons, but um, primarily, I guess, because it's the inaugural uh, exhibition in the, the Yalingwa series, which is a collaboration, for starters, and uh, uh, an initiative between, what, Creative Victoria, ACCA and the Tarawara Museum of Art designed to support the development of Indigenous art and curatorial practice. So tell us a little bit more. How did you get involved? Yeah, so I'm the first curator for the Yalingwa program. Uh, so over the next six years, between ACCA and Tarawara, uh, there'll be three curatorial positions for Indigenous curators, which is really exciting. Exciting. Uh, three major exhibitions that will be all new commissions and uh, three uh, fellowships for $60,000 for established Indigenous artists from the southeast. Okay, so it's there's a lot to unpack in that. Let, yeah. Let's start with kind of you and the, the, the curation of a lightness of spirit is the measure of happiness. So uh, curating a major exhibition like this, daunting but thrilling at the same time. Absolutely, have... yeah. So I, I started in September of last year. So it's been quite a short little nine, ten months um, turnaround for this show, um, which I'm really proud of. <laughs> um, so it's uh, ten new commissions for this exhibition. Um, there's definitely a focus on the southeast. We've got five artists from uh, Victoria and New South Wales um, and the other artists are from the APY lands and the Northern Territory. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. It's um, the first one so it's always nice to start um, a big program like this. It's such an important program um, and really lovely to get that recognition for um, our artists in the southeast and, and looking for ways to get them into space like Acker. And I'm particularly intrigued by the fact that, as you say, the, the development time for the exhibition has been relatively tight because major uh, exhibitions can often be two to three years in development before the, the presentation of work, and particularly that short development time uh, versus the commissioning of new work. Yeah. Kind of, um, must have put... So did it mean that you were putting artists on the spot and they were having to <laughs> kind of like scurry uh, uh, around in response. Almost. Or, or were you very deliberately kind of selecting artists you knew would be able to respond quickly and turn I think up, turn the, the early research period and uh, the discussions I was having with artists um, basically as soon as I started um, that really helped inform who um, would be able to create work uh, for that time frame um, so yeah that, that first few months I um, was lucky to do some research trips so I went over to Tarnandi Festival over uh, at, in Adelaide yeah, yeah, which was amazing. Met a bunch of artists over there, started some conversations. Um, I headed up to Alice Springs to catch the last of the Desert Mob exhibition, which has always been an important one for me. I actually um, worked on a few of the Desert Mob exhibitions about 10 years ago, so it's always nice to see what's happening up in Central Australia. Um, and, and that trip actually led to bringing on Benita Clements into the exhibition. Um, so Benita is 
is Albert Namajira's great granddaughter. Um, and yeah, my trip up there showed me that Benita was doing some really interesting things with that uh, tradition, watercolor tradition. Um, Benita brings in her own family and actually paints them into the landscape. Um, so they're really beautiful story um, stories from Benita. Um, and yeah, that that early research time definitely helped um, pull the show together and work out who was ready and and what we could make. Now, part of the I guess the the one of the themes or the threads running through a lightness of spirit is the measure of happiness uh, is the celebration of everyday lives of Aboriginal people. So, talk to us about that aspect of the exhibition. Yeah, so I was really conscious that um, there's a lot of discussion happening in the Indigenous art scene at the moment around our um, our histories, um, activism, things that are really important to convey to to wider audiences. Um, but for me, I really wanted to bring it back down to community, um, think about the the kinds of str- um, the, the ways that the community finds strength, um, what sustains us so that we can deal with all these um, intense kind of histories and um, the... Uh, the way the media talks about uh, Aboriginal people, all these sort of n- the negativity that's out there. I thought, what what makes us strong? How can we um, embrace all the good things and put those across um, and celebrate us, I guess? And so those are things <laughs> like, like family, uh, but also yeah. uh, music, country music in particular Absolutely. as well. So there's a, a real <laughs> sense of playfulness in some of the work as well. So, yeah, yeah which is, as you say, it, it, it's a, a much-needed counter to balance to the the media's focus on on the grim the bleak yeah absolutely um and i think the the first um experience of all the works tends to be a bit joyful i really wanted that initial experience of the show to be uh, have that lightness and happiness um but of course behind that um there's so many layers i mean the we're lucky to have a group from iwancha arts in indokana on the apy lands um, and three of those uh, men are um, old stockmen. And so they relate to that cowboy culture, um, the R.M. Williams clothes and the cowboy boots, and they take a lot of pride in that time. And I think um, it's it would be easy to focus on the fact that these men worked very hard as young men, that they experienced, um, you know, rations for pay, um, you know, unequal treatment in, in that time. Um, but instead now they, they actually take strength strength from that and they see that as um, a positive time in their life, something that they look back on fondly um, and so yeah, there's definitely a celebration of cowboys in the show yeah. <laughs> Now there's also a celebration of queer identity as well. Yeah, absolutely, so we've got Peter Waples Crow in the show um, he has created the most magnificent possum skin cloak so as you would know, the, the cloaks have um, a really important cultural um, uh, part of they they're an important part of ceremony in the southeast um and yeah peter's kind of taken the idea of the cloak and um embraced this idea of him being an emerging queer elder and he's actually uh designed the inside of the cloak with the the pride flag so he's still bought in those cultural elements he's worked with marie clark to create the cloak who is an amazing artist and cloak maker um but he has 
used these traditional designs from the southeast, these shield designs, in the bright, beautiful colours of the pride flag. So it's a really strong piece. It's she's a bit of a diva, but <laughs> <laughs> she's quite fabulous. There's a lot of glamour in that piece. We're that, really proud. That notion of kind of uh, drawing together tradition and the contemporary uh, is something that I know um, is also in one of the uh, kind of like, well, a couple of, of the works, obviously, yeah. but uh, Kayleen Whiskey's work Absolutely. as well, which is the fact that kind of like uh, uh, the the Seven Sisters, which yeah. kind of we saw in a, that huge and magnificent exhibition, for example, up in, in Canberra recently, kind of acknowledging that history and that story, but then also kind of uh, Christmas celebration and the music of Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah. So kind of, yeah. again, past and present, contemporary, traditional. Absolutely. Kind of, yeah. And I think that's a real reflection of our community now. Um, Kayleen lives quite remotely on the APY lands in, in Dolkina, um, but... She still loves Michael Jackson like we all do. So, yeah, she's her pop culture influences are very apparent. Um, of the seven sisters, we've got uh, Cher, we've got Dolly Parton, we've got Wonder Woman. It's it's a joyous, yeah, celebration of women for sure. Um, but, yeah, the, the story of the seven sisters is uh, that this naughty Wati, this naughty man, chases these all these sisters through across country to make them his wives and they keep running and they end up being the star constellation. So she's actually made the naughty Wati Michael Jackson. So it's pretty fabulous. Yeah. And the... Um the, I mean, because the, the Seven Sisters exhibition that was on up in, in Canberra, did you get to get uh, I didn't, but I heard so much about uh, it. Yeah. It was magnificent. And one of the things that I loved about it was its acknowledgement that um, this story doesn't just belonged to one particular mob um, because as the sisters cross uh, Australia from kind of coast into into the, the heart of the country, they're crossing through multiple people's countries and yeah. so you're getting multiple iterations of story. Absolutely. In terms of a lightness of spirit is the measure of happiness, it sounds like there's also uh, a kind of multiplicity of stories and, and uh, cultures being shared here but also, again, that kind of overlap of, uh, of, of common themes as well. Yeah, Definitely. I think um, it's the, the commonality is where we draw that strength from, for sure. So that's family and community, our history and ancestors. Um, but also, I mean, Vicky Cousins' work, Do You Want a Cup of Tea, is a perfect example of what you're saying. Um, she, Her work really um, has a strong uh, language element, a strong community element. Um, she's actually created a huge teapot <laughs> which has to be seen to be believed I'm actually I'm really proud of her it's extra an extraordinary space within the gallery um, so the teapot for her really um, sums up the the that need for family to check in with each other. Um, we've been doing that since the beginning of time uh, but now we sit down and we have a cup of tea and she kind of references um, the mission times as well um, the introduction of tea um, but brings it all back together to being here and now with a soundscape that includes her calling out uh, to see if her husband wants a cup of tea and hearing the dogs running past and the kettle boiling. Um, it's a really inclusive, kind of immersive experience that work yeah 
The exhibition that we're chatting about is A Lightness of Spirit is the Measure of Happiness and it's on now until the 16th of September at ACCA, the Australian Centre for Contemporary Art at 111 Sturt Street, South Bank. And you can jump online, acca.melbourne, for, for more info about it. The curator is Hannah Presley. Hannah, we've spoken a lot about the artists in the exhibition, some of the themes and the ideas. I want to bring the conversation back to you, given that, <laughs> yeah. kind of, as we said, this is the inaugural uh, Yalangwa exhibition and you're the first kind of... Uh, curator who has been selected to work on a major exhibition as part of this ongoing project. What's the impact been on uh, been like for you in terms of being uh, in charge with the responsibility to, to do this, to work with these yeah, artists? How yeah. do you feel you've grown professionally and personally as a result? Um, I think um, it's actually been amazing. Um, working with the ACA team is extraordinary. Um, they're all so professional and very clever bunch. It's it's quite lovely. Um, I've got lots of support. I think what's interesting for me and where my career has gone and is going, um, this is the first show where I've had an, a professional install team, a gallery manager, an amazing education team that have created these extraordinary resources to go next to my show for, um, I think they've got more than 4,000 kids booked in already to see the show. So it's um, it's more than I've ever had surrounding me, support-wise and resources and all those contributions. It's Yeah, it's been quite extraordinary. Now, I know from um, what I've read about you and your background, uh, kind of you grew up uh, in around Alice Springs, Kind of in, in, yeah, well, I actually grew up in Victoria, well, yeah, but okay. my family's from Alice, okay. so I spent a lot of time up there. Um, and yeah. it was literally walking into a gallery and randomly asking for a job that got you your start. It as was. It, yeah. so, so 16 years ago, I, I actually had been working at the Alice Springs Women's Shelter um, and I came back uh, to Victoria for a holiday and I just thought, oh, I miss being around art and um, I thought, I'm just going to walk in. So I, I went into Warumpi Arts, which was the, uh, the gallery in... In town for Papanya uh, community um, and I just walked in and said oh look I, I'm interested in art I've never worked with art but I, I'd love to um, and they said oh well we've actually got an opening and I, I started the next day <laughs> quite wonderful I'm just one of the reasons I wanted to bring that up is because I'm just wondering the experience of working on a lightness of spirit is the measure of happiness at Acker what will your response be if uh, kind of I don't know if a young Koori kid kind of uh, wanders in and looks around and says I want to do this too. What what advice would you give them? Oh, there's so many opportunities, I think, a lot more than there used to be. Um, there's so many more mainstream organisations, arts organisations, I think, that are open to getting Aboriginal artists into their spaces. And that means more opportunities for arts workers as well. So I would absolutely be looking to link them up with someone somewhere that could get them started as well. Yeah. And look, just finally, obviously the exhibition, as we've said, is on until the 16th of September. Are there? Are you doing floor talks? Are the artists doing floor talks? What's yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, jump on our website. We've got a f- lots of different bits and pieces happening. The next event that we've got up is actually a lecture series at ACCA. Um, so on Monday night, Peter Waples Crow is actually doing an amazing lecture about um, his both his solo career as an artist but also his... Um, 
long-term uh, career in health and queer health. So he's kind of matching in uh, those two worlds and talking about that. So, yeah, there's still tickets. So so jump on online and check that out. Um, it should be a really wonderful um, discussion with Peter. If you want to jump online, uh, the website for ACCA, the Australian Centre for Contemporary Art, is ACCA.Melbourne, an easy one to remember, easy one to find. Uh, and ACCA, if you've not been before easy to find as well. It's a big rust-coloured building uh, at 111 Sturt Street, South Bank. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Richard. Uh... This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au